2006, number three seeded Iowa, up 63-61 over number 14 Northwestern State, 10 seconds remaining. No! A chance for the lead or a tie. They go to the rim. For three, no! Loose ball in the corner. Three seconds to go. At the other end, Haluska off the rim. 1998, number four, Mississippi, up 70 to 69 over number 13, Valparaiso. 2.5 seconds left. So now Valpo's going to have to go the length of the court, 2.5. The inbounds pass to be thrown by Jamie Sykes, Carter pressure it. It's to Jake. It's to Drew for the win. Good. Bryce Drew did it. Falpo has won the game. A miracle. 2008, number five, Drake, 99. Number 12, Western Kentucky, 98. 5.7 seconds left. Not let him receive the basketball. Razelton's got it. End to end, he'll come. Leaves it for Rogers for three. For the win! Western Kentucky does it three! 2010, number four, Vanderbilt, 65. Number 13, Murray State, 64. 4.2 seconds left. Vanderbilt, a one-point lead. McLean inbounding. Right corner to Miles. Finding space. Here's Thomas. One second. Got it at the buzzer! And 13-seeded Murray State has pulled off the opening round. Shocker! Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. You can feel it, can't you? The buzz in the air. You can hear the sneaker squeaks. March is coming. The madness is coming. And we just wanted to whet your appetite with a couple great first round upset buzzer beaters from the last few years. Welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast, where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I am Mike Randall. You can find me at FTSY Warrior Mike on Twitter. My partner is with me every time. Batman and Robin, Chewbacca and Han Solo, Potsy and Fonzie. And I'm Potsy. <laughs> I like Gus, the last one. That's phenomenal. Well, given that I'll be going to Milwaukee tomorrow, Gus, I thought I'd throw in a little Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Shamil Shamazel. How are we doing, my friend? Very appropriate. Doing great, Mike Randall. Thank you. Uh, I, I think we could maybe take some questions on who would be Han Solo, who would be Chewbacca, who would be – I can't believe you left out Bo and Luke Duke. Yes, but – well, yes. Gus and I growing up, we love Dukes of Hazard. Absolutely. I think you're more the front man in these. You're Han Solo. You're Bo Duke. I, I think that's what it would be. I'm definitely Chewbacca. The other ones, I think we can flip a coin. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, the, I mean, we're looking for great pairings, and I, I, I you know, but with different styles. You know, Han was a slick one. Leia really liked him, and Chewbacca would eat metal. I mean, I think that's what we go with here, right? <laughs> I mean, the Dukes of Hazard was appointment TV for me when you know back in the day. That was uh, I can still remember like making sure that uh, you know my uncle and I made sure that we tuned that in so we could see them, you know, do that figure eight around the trees while Roscoe and them chase them around. That was, ah, that, that, that's good memories right there. Breaker one, breaker so, one. I may be crazy. I ain't dumb crazy. Could have come back at you. Anybody got the ears on out there? Come back. Good morning. Good evening. Good <laughs> afternoon, everybody. So glad that you are all tuning into the Screen the Screener podcast and play along with our silliness on the intro. I hope those buzzer beaters got you guys all kind of fired up and in the right frame of mind for March. Um, we're thankful that you are tuning us in, whichever way you choose to consume the podcast. Uh, we hope to aid your commute to and from work. We hope to fill in some of that empty space on the weekend when you're not watching college basketball or running some errands around town. We're very thankful 
humbled and honored that you guys tune us in each and every podcast. Thank you for carving out some time during your week or your weekend for Screen the Screener podcast. Mike Randall, ahoy out there all to listen all to all the listeners. Let's get this thing rolling. Folks, I'll give you a background here just to show you what we're preparing for. I mean, we're under two weeks away, right, from March Madness. So Gus, myself, a bunch of our friends always get together for March Madness. We love watching it. Tremendous opening round game. So just a quick story. That Drake-Western Kentucky game, and, and you, you can probably sense this if you're a loyal listener to the show, I was going around spouting at the mouth that Drake was going to the Sweet 16. You know, we have the bias, right? No one cares about Drake. They're a five seed. They throw out the stat. Like, we don't know this. A 12 always beats a five. Yeah, okay. We kind of live this every day for the last 42 years of our life. We don't need to be reminded of that. But I thought Drake was really, really good. And of course, Gus, who knows all, knew that as well. So anyway, I was rooting for Drake the entire time. If you remember that game in 2008 against Western Kentucky, they were down big. They came back. They went to overtime. Mm -hmm. They were up. I was talking trash at the establishment we were at. This is it. I went from melancholy Mike Randall to overly excited Mike Randall. And then the entire place is watching as that shot goes in the air and it goes in. And everyone in the establishment is excited except for Mike Randall. <laughs> goes through. UConn, uh, Gus, we were talking about off air. Price gets hurt, breaks his leg or something. Yeah, Sandy yeah, he had a, Yep. Yeah, San Diego beats him in the 13-4 game, and then Western Kentucky ends up going to the Sweet, to the sweet 16. So those are special to us. We hope you enjoyed them. Gus, let's get it started. Very good, young man. Very good. Uh, let's start with our news and notes. News and notes from the hardwood. Well, I think, Gus, we're going to start on Tuesday night. We're going to start with the team that you've been backing all year long, and I have jumped on the bandwagon as last minute as possible. And number 24, Iowa State. 86, Oklahoma State, 83. Iowa State's one of the hottest teams in the country, Gus, right now. They've won seven of their last eight and six in a row. Of course, they beat Kansas in the fog in overtime, 82-89. They stumbled at Texas right after that. But then since that point, they beat Oklahoma, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and now Oak State. They're 20-9. They're 12-5 in the Big 12, all alone in second place. Oklahoma State's got a five-game winning streak come to an end. They've won 10 of 11 before it came to an end, so they've been hot as well. Oak State is 20 and 10, 9 and 8 in conference, which is impressive because they lost six in a row in conference earlier this year. They are very, very dangerous. Sophomore Jawan Evans, hot scoring, right? Three pointers, nine of nine from the free throw line, including three free throws at the end of the game. We got fouled in the three. Very impressive. Huge, huge free throws. Yeah, college students don't do that, folks. Three out of three late in the game. He's now had 20 points in three of the last five games. Leighton Hammonds, the forward for them, had 19 points. But the real key is junior Jeffrey Carroll for Oak State when you're filling out your brackets, folks. He's averaging 17 points per game, only scored seven in 38 minutes. Gus, to me, it seems like when he scores, they win. Yep. Uh, for Iowa State, Monte Morris, your guy, continued this ridiculous assist-to-turnover ratio. 11 assists, one turnover, only at 12 points because he has 11-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio. You don't have to do anything else. That in itself is totally impressive. 25 from Matt Thomas, 7 of 11 from three. 20 from Deontay. I've never seen a shot that is a bad shot. Burton. By the uh, way, he's open right now. Open right now. Whether he is or he isn't, he's shooting. And 17 from Naslong. Now, Gus, I'm a little concerned about Iowa State. Yeah. Because like I said, Burton can have one of those games where any shot's a good shot. For example, I look back at five points at TCU in a, in a loss, two points at Texas Tech in an overtime win, nine points at home in a loss, um, in a loss 55-54 to Cincinnati. This is a team that while they're hot at the same time, I've, they lost to Texas, right? Right. So I think it's a little tricky to predict them, but they could also knock off any team and definitely go on a run for three or four games in, in the tournament. Um, they, they're very West Virginia-like to me. They make me scared, but they are super talented. What do you think, Gus? So here's what I saw. I saw a couple things. I saw the same thing that you saw with Jawan Evans. I saw his gutsiness at the foul line, and then he hit another three after that, which was crazy. Um, I saw that he was an absolutely incredible. He had a line of 29, four and six. The dude is good. He will win a game in March by himself. The dude is that good. So you wrote off like Monty Morris is like uh, assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. Just to like add into like how awesome Monte Morris is. He had three steals and two blocks to keep his karma. Right. What I is the problem? Seriously? I, I, I can't, I can't stand how good he is. He's so awesome and he's completely underrated. 
by the whole entire nation, by every scout that sees him. All the guy does is win and make people around him better. What, one quick um, thing. I'm sorry, Gus. One yeah. quick thing. I'm going to forget it because I'm getting old. So I'm listening to Francesa out here on the East Coast, Mike Francesa's Francesa show. He said something very important today that I think is so Monte Morris. He was talking about how there's a lot of players in the NBA who have been drafted that have been outside the top 10. It's not like anyone who's in the top five is an automatic pick, and there are some real great players that have existed. He talked about Jimmy Butler at 30, Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. We can even, even what, Curry was a seven or an eight. Monte, uh, Mar- yeah, yeah. Right? Monte Morris. Yeah, exactly. Monte Morris is going to be that guy this year, Gus. He's going, he's not going to be top five or top six. I don't know why, but he, I just feel like they're going to go for the frosh. They're going to go, you know, for maybe, you know, Swanigan, obviously. But Monte Morris is going to be a big-time NBA player. Just my thought. I know I'm late to the party here. You've been here the whole time. But I feel he's like going to be an 8-12 to 12 guy, and he's going to be great. Well, I mean, there's always room at the table for the Monte Morris party. So we're glad to have you here, Mike Randall. But um, the reason he's not going to get drafted higher than, like, let's say Lonzo Ball is simple numbers. Because he's only going to measure out like six, two, and one quarter without sneakers on, people are going to say that he's too small to play the position. But then if you just look around the league, how tall is everybody's backup point guard? Six, two, and one quarter without sneakers on. And guess what? He would probably start for a handful of teams in the NBA once he gets uh, his feet wet in the NBA and gets in the right system. It's a no-brainer to me. Like, it's going to happen. Like, look at what happened with Malcolm Brogdon this particular year in the NBA. Like, where was he drafted? He was drafted down in the 30s, and he's one of the top rookies in the NBA. Why didn't he get drafted? Because, oh, maybe he's not athletic enough. Maybe he's, you know, he's not tall enough. He doesn't have good enough ball handling. Guess what? He's a great basketball player that helps teams win games. That's exactly what Monte Morris does. Yeah, so uh, true. So true. Go ahead. What yeah, so I, I think I think it's silly, like, if you get caught up in the in, – the numbers, not necessarily the metric numbers or scoring numbers or turnover numbers, but the numbers of like how big their hand is or how long their wingspan is. If the guy can help you win games, why wouldn't you draft him? Why would you, why would you take a player whose wingspan is like three inches longer but can't win a big-time game or make players around him better? No, we're not talking about you, Mark Helfoltz. Don't worry. <laughs> like, but it just seems silly. It seems silly. Like, why wouldn't you take a player that would help you win games when your job is to have is to win more games in the NBA? And Monte Morris does that. It's just silly. Um, so anyway, on 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 to like you know more college basketball things. So we don't have to go on this big long NBA diatribe. Um, I agree. Carroll is the key for Oak State. If they get an excellent secondary scorer that's efficient behind Evans, this Cowboy team is pretty good. And they're pretty good because they were, like you mentioned, 0-6 in the Big 12. And it's not like it's not like they were 0-6 in, like, let's say, I don't know, the MIAC, and then they went on this big run. They were 0-6 in the Big 12 and then turned around and went on this big run. So they had to beat good teams up and down the line. It's not like they got any cupcakes along the way there. So that makes it even more impressive. The fact that they've gotten it straightened out against high-level competition. Really impressed with Brad Underwood. Love Evans as a player. I think the Cowboys are live in that first game in March when they get in. I think uh, people are not going to know what to do with Evans. I, I don't think they're going to know what to do with him. I don't know. I don't think they're going to have people to put in front of him. I don't know how they're going to guard him. Do you slough off him? Then he hits all his threes. Do you guard him up tight? Then he's going to go to the foul line. I, I don't know what you do with the guy. The guy's really good. Both teams are very interesting, Iowa State and Oak State. Now, you know the way most people fill out their brackets, folks. They see what happens recently, and they adjust, which is why overreacting to like a Louisville loss at Wake Forest um, is is crazy. But if Oak State and Iowa State, if either one of them make a run in the Big 12, then everyone will pick them in the bracket. I'm going to argue, Gus, it's irrelevant what happens in the Big 12. If one, totally of them gets, if one of them gets hot, they can easily get eliminated. Now, listen, if they win the Big 12, that's a different story. But like they get the semis and they lose, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's not like if Oklahoma State loses in the second game and Iowa State wins the second game, I'm going to like Iowa State better. It all is about the matchups. But they're both very hit-or-miss teams. Got to be careful. I agree that too much weight is going to be given to the results in the 
conference tournaments like let's look at their entire picture like right now if we were going to like pick them right now we'd both probably pick them to win a game or two if not more i think they're both really impressive you want to head to the do you want to head to the big 10 next you're darn right i do (laughs) i thought you might speaking of being late to the party not that you were late not that you were late on this party but we'd just like to welcome you into the Caleb Swanigan fan club as well. I was late. I knew he was good. I, I just didn't know he was great. I didn't know that he's basically going to be the runner-up to player of the year. It's probably going to be Mason, but you can make an argument at Swanigan. Uh, he's that good. He has passed Josh Hart in my mind. I know. I know there's Villanova fans out there who are getting mad, but you look at the season from start to finish, I think Swanigan is either one or two. Purdue, Gus, number 16, Purdue, 86, Indiana, 75. Purdue controlled this game from start to finish, even though it's a rivalry. It's also a game that Indiana really, really needed because they're still in the conversation in some of the bracketologies for the last four in, a first four out. Right, like you like you mentioned last podcast. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Swanigan did his thing, 21 points, 11 to 12 from the free throw line. So underrated, 10 rebounds, double-double, of course. Uh, Vince Edwards, Mr. Steady, had 15 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Yeah, really steady. Uh, junior Dakota Matthias, nineteen Matthias, sorry, nineteen points, three to five from three point range. He's a good scorer for them. Good gritty glue guy. Purdue is a Final Four contender. They're just not getting enough respect. They're twenty four and six, thirteen and four in the Big Ten. Here's my problem: you can pick apart, and I think John Gasway talked about this with, with Gonzaga. You can pick apart anyone's resume. There's no Kentucky, Wisconsin from a couple of years ago. Everyone has a weakness. Gus, so when I put it out on Twitter and somebody wrote back, yeah, but no point guard play. Right. Right, right, okay. But they may not have a point guard, but who has a great point guard? I mean, Kentucky does. He's hurt. Kansas does. But then they don't have the inside player necessarily. Fox is hurt, and Kansas doesn't really have much inside. Landon Lucas is okay. So my point is there's no reason that Caleb Swanigan can't become Danny Manning in the Miracles. There is – there's yeah. no reason, and that's my point. And oh, by the way, having a big guy who's dominant and sh- being one of the top three-point shooting teams in the country, that's a pretty good mix. I, I think it's an amazing mix, and we went over like the roll call of players that got their teams to either the final game, the final four, or won a championship, and it's not like those players were like, I don't know, NBA all-stars. I mean, they all played in the league, and they all had a great career, but they got on a run. They were a mismatch in every single game that they had in the tournament. And are you telling me that Caleb Swanigan isn't a mismatch for at least half the teams that they're going to face in the tournament? I'm totally with you. I love the comparison of Danny Manning. Your Monte Morris prediction was great. This one was better. The guy is the linchpin of everything. He does not get in foul trouble. He makes three-point shots. I'll tell you right now, a little sneak preview on the pod right now. Mm. Purdue plays Kansas tomorrow. I'm taking Purdue. Because I am telling you that Swanigan, Kansas has kept teams in the game a lot of the first half spreads we've talked about with TCU. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, very good. Yeah. They, the way you're going to be Kansas is not with guards, <clears throat> West Virginia. The way you're going to be Kansas is in – got to get my, my annual West Virginia dig in, right? It wouldn't be a podcast. <laughs> wait, wait, Jack Salt's coming up soon. Wait for it, people. Um, I would take Purdue right now. That's what I believe. I think styles make fights, Gus, and I think Purdue is an issue. I really do. They're not getting enough respect. I agree. They're not getting enough respect. And if you remember a few podcasts back, uh, listeners, we went through the Ken Palm numbers for you on Purdue, and they are still retaining a top 25 defensive efficiency rating and a top 25 offensive efficiency rating while playing at a championship-friendly tempo, we'll call it. How's that sound? Um, And... When you have an All-American, that also is a big difference as well. You can have all the greatest numbers in the world and all the greatest stats in the world, but if you have a difference-making player, a difference-making player like like Biggie, that that might trump all of the metrics that we throw your way on this podcast anyway. So throwing those two together in the same equation, I agree, makes Purdue completely underrated. Moving on, uh, I have to give him one more shot. You know, we're Jersey-based folks. Uh, if you can't tell, uh, I think that some people can. But uh, Seton Hall is just so frustrating because Gus, there is no team that has done less with more. This team should be so much better. I'm waiting for it to click. I- I'm waiting to see them because they have three big-time scores and the freshman off the bench. Seton Hall, sixty. Georgetown, fifty-nine. Angel Delgado, his 11th consecutive double-double and 47th of his career. This is flying under the radar because of Swanigan. 
Yeah, that guy's bananas. Seton Hall had to come from behind to win this game, however, though. Delgado has had over 1,000 points and 1,000 rebounds for Seton Hall in his career, and he's reached double digits in points and rebounds in 24 of his 29 games this year. One of the best performances that no one is talking about. Can, can you can you read that stat one more time so it sinks into everybody? That that last part is nuts. 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds for Seton Hall in his career, and he has a double digits, a double-double in 24 of the 29 games this year. Just insane. It's yeah. just insane stuff. Seton Hall's tied for fourth in the Big East of Providence and Marquette. They got one game remaining at Butler, which, Gus, in my mind, is a very important game. Huge. They almost lost this game after leading for most of the way. Delgado gave Seton Hall a lead with 12 minutes, twelve seconds to play, rather, on a layup, and then Carrington added two free throws. They're an interesting team, Seton Hall. They're 19-10, and 10, fourth place in the Big East, but they really haven't beaten anyone this year. They lost to Florida by five in November. They beat mm-hmm. California and Hawaii. They lost at Creighton with Mo Watson. No shame there. They lost at Marquette. They lost at Providence. They got blown out by Villanova. They lost to Butler. They lost at Xavier. They beat Creighton at home without Mo Watson. That is about as cold pizza a a resume as you're going to see. So, Gus, in my mind, tell me your thoughts. I think this Saturday game at number 13, Butler, is huge for them. Listen, we've mentioned them a couple times on the pod. We've mentioned that we like their guard play. They drive it hard to the hole. They're very aggressive on the dribble drive. We love Delgado down low. He's a warrior. He's a bit undersized. He never gets shortchanged on effort. I agree. I agree that I think that they should be a little bit better. I agree that they should have won one of these tight games. Listen, at this point in the season, you kind of are who you are. It's not like you're going to fix a couple of things and make it right. So true, man. Like the fact that they weren't able to sneak out one of those games that you just listed as a win tells me that, you know what? They're going to beat the teams that they're kind of even with, i.e. Georgetown. And they're going to lose to teams that are better coached and have a little bit better talent. Now, not saying this team is not well coached or doesn't have good talent. Willard's a fine coach, and we just mentioned that we really like their talent. However, it seems to me that if you have this level of talent and your coaching staff is pretty secure, don't you think they would have won one of those games? And if they haven't already, I don't think they're going to start making a habit of it now. Yeah, I think you're being too kind. I think Willard stinks. I've been saying this all year. I mean, I, I know. You, I, I'm sorry. They have, they've underachieved. They made a magical carpet ride run last year and beat Villanova, and they got smoked in the first round. I think Willard stinks. There's way too much talent. You can't tell me Carrington's not good. Delgado's not good. No one's buying it. I, I, my opinion. I, think I, lo- I love Desi personally. I think Desi's he's. Tremendous. I think he's really talented. Come yeah. on, they got three guys guessing, and then Powell is a really good freshman. I mean, I, yeah. to me, if it if it if it smells like a rat, it looks like a rat. It's a rat. I'm sorry. I just don't think Kevin Well did a good job this year. My opinion. I, I thought you were going to go duck there. I thought quack like a duck. Yeah, is a duck. I did. It was yeah. duck. What did I say? Rat. What am I talking? Yeah, you went about? Rat. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what am I talking? Rat. <laughs> it smells like a rat. There you go. Sorry. Yes, let's see. Gus is Han Solo and I'm Chewbacca. <laughs> Nothing ever illustrated any better than that. Okay, thank you. Very good. All right, so one of the games that we had our eyes on for sure was that Dayton-VCU game, and Dayton held off VCU to take the A-10 regular season title. The win followed a typical flyer script for a win, with Cook and Scoochie Smith both going for 20, Davis, Pollard, Cunningham, all pitching in for their part. Cunningham had a great late shot that was uh, short on the shot clock off of like a broken inbound pass that looked like it was just going to be a turnover in the making for Dayton. And he caught the ball, uh, foul line extended, hit a turnaround jumper that was really well defended. And that I felt like that kind of gave them their cushion and their working margin for the rest of the game. Um, Scoochie Smith just played like he was not going to lose this game. He was not going to allow his team to lose this game. He played like a New York City point guard plays when when it is like game point, but he played it the whole entire game. Dayton corrected the rebounding issue that they had against VCU on the last matchup when they just got absolutely terrorized on the boards uh, by VCU. And they shot over 54% from the field and 40% from the three on limited three-point shots. The one other reason we really like Dayton um, and we talked a little about this a tiny bit with John Gassaway, is they are not overly reliant on the three. They will take the open three when it's there. But if they can get better shots closer to the rim, they love giving the ball inside to Pollard. They love having Scoochie and Cook drive it. They're not 
a make-or-break team on the three-point shot. That's another reason why we really liked eight, and they shoot their twos really effectively. The Flyers also defended the three-point line really well at home. They limited VCU to get this, two for 15 from behind the arc. Their closeouts were hard, and they were active. Love date moving forward, regardless of what happens in the A-10 tourney, kind of like we talked about with Iowa State and Oklahoma State. No matter if they lose in the first round or they make a run to the championship, I'm still really going to like Dayton and be bullish on them come March Madness. P.S. They only have five losses. Did like did you even realize that? Like I mean, we always see Dayton and they're playing whoever they're playing, and I've never really paid that close attention to their win loss record. They only have five losses. They are a dangerous team as any team. Nobody in America will want to play them, and they are definitely a dark horse for the Final Four. Yeah, definitely. And listen, Scott Stevens out there on Twitter. Our a loyal follower at at Tox A T T O C S one. Scott, listen to me very carefully. We're going to do a little quick preview in a minute. Gus doesn't even know about this of the brackets. Listen to where I got Dayton going, my friend. They are senior laden. They have a great coach. They got Cunningham back. They're balanced. They're unselfish. They play defense. Yeah, I know they didn't play anyone this year, folks. Right, and this tournament is just filled with teams who make the Final Four who've played people. Right? That's the way this works, right? VCU, right? George Mason, want to continue? Western Kentucky, Sweet 16, Drake, exactly. Coffee cake, you know what I'm talking about. Listen up. No one got the Drake coffee cake reference. No, I got the Drake coffee cake. It's an 80s reference. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's paying attention. Yodels, yes. Yeah, Chocodile. Okay. Chocodile was hostess. Let's get your game straight here. Come on. Sorry. I'm off my. It's Lent. I'm off my game, right? I'm not having chocolate, so I'm totally off my. Uh, quick chocolate story just for it, it, listeners again thank you for 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 dealing with our asides here uh this was about 10 years ago i actually ordered chocolate from the west coast because you couldn't get them on the east coast and i had them sent to the east coast it was the best box of chocolate i think i've ever had in my life they were amazing if you can send us a twitter picture of a chocolate that is in your house we will mention you, retweet it, and put you on. We will mention you on the podcast. We will do something for that, people. Okay. Yeah, Chocolate Isles are the official food. We're not getting paid for this. I think you know that. Of the Screen the Screener podcast. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're upset that we're not getting paid for it, please go to iTunes and give us five stars on the Screen the Screener podcast. We're, we're rolling. We got new ratings, uh, new ratings every day. Somebody put one up, Gus, re- really kind last time, talking about these guys don't mess around. They don't get involved in the drama. They just make quick comments and they get to the games. That's right. It's hardcore. It's hardcore analysis here. We appreciate that. You can tweet us at SDS Podcast. Send us an email if you like, sdspodcast at gmail.com. But we love those five-star ratings because they help us and they help us help you. The more we get, the better we'll be, the more stuff we can bring you and make you laugh talking about chocodiles and rats and ducks and all this great stuff. Uh, yeah, I would – listen, if somebody says it's a chocodile picture, that would be just insane. That would totally make my day. I'd love that. Uh, speaking of things we love, how about we spread a little love, Mike Randall, for your Baylor Bears. They get a get-back, get-right win. The number 11 Bears win at home over number 10 West Virginia, 71-62. You know what? Much like we called for Nigel Hayes to step up his game, we called for Motley to step up his game after that poor Texas Tech game where they double and even triple teamed your junior. And since that game, he's gone 23, 27, 19, 21. He's averaging about four assists a game and over 10 boards a game. When he plays like this, he's an All-American and the Bears can beat just about anyone. Remember that season start they had? Remember how high everybody was? Remember they were ranked number one in the country? You remember that? Yeah, they can beat anybody anytime when he plays like this. This is a huge win for your Bears because you know what? They won this game without their major ball handler, Manuel Lacan. He was injured and out for this game. So you beat a pressing team without your starting point guard for just about 10 points. Mike, don't jump off that preseason Final Four selection so fast. Can you can you give a little love Back to your Baylor Bears. Yeah, this is a battle of two teams that are going nowhere in March. That's what this game was. Listen, I think we have to avoid having take lock. Take lock, I talked about in fantasy this year. It's funny, fantasy football. It's like you have a vision on a guy and you're not going to let it go even when all the evidence is pointing you in the direction that the opposite is true. Baylor has not played well. 
I understand there was no LeConte, and I understand that they beat West Virginia. But West Virginia on the road is not nearly as good. We know that. I mean, so to me, this is not that impressive of a win. I think West Virginia's going out early, as I think Virginia's going out early, as I think Wisconsin's going out early, as I now think Baylor is going out early. Look, Motley's going to have 23 and, and 10, whatever it is. Gus, he's got to have that because, God forbid, he gets to foul trouble. They're losing anyone. So let's, let's write him in for 20 and 10. But what happens is when he gets those points, Gus, they tend to be streaky. Remember Kansas at Fog Allen? And they don't mm-hmm. go to him anymore. Mm-hmm. He's easy to take out of the game. Joe Lowe had his 10. Wainwright, 7. Lindsey, 6. King McClure, after the Louisville game, you've done nothing. And now Al Freeman had 12. Al, welcome back. Three threes. I think you made him because you were home, quite frankly. I don't think you're having double digits on the road. This is a battle to me, Gus, and this is not anger. It's just I'm a, I'm a fluid guy. I'm an amoeba. That's what I am. I don't think Baylor's going far. I, I, I think they're very limited. Lacan is five foot four in a good day. I just don't feel good about this team. They can beat everyone anyone, but they have no scoring. It's Lacan's wide open threes from thirty feet, or it's Motley with a team on his back. Outside of that, I haven't seen anything. I thought Ish Wainwright would be ten points a game. I thought Al Freeman would be ten points a game. I thought McClure would have like fifteen points every three games. None of that has ca- has happened. To me, this is a battle of two teams. They're going to be seated high, and I'm taking out early in my bracket. You know what? There's nothing wrong with changing your tune. <laughs> Absolutely nothing wrong with changing your tune. I'm not going to have tune. take luck, Gus. I'm just not going to do it. You, you, you know what you did? You did not fall prey to the so- awful song that you sing along to in the car. You went ahead and changed the channel to find something better. Well done, Mike Randall. I'm very impressed. And here's the thing. It's, it's about staying true to who you are, Gus. I'm not coming back on here if Baylor makes the Final Four and going, oh, I told you so. No, I'm not doing that. I said at the beginning of the season, I like them. I thought it was going well. But as I have watched them, and it's not just the losses, Gus, I don't mm-hmm. have faith. I have lost faith. Remember that movie, Doubt? About the priest and Meryl Streep was in it. The movie ends. I don't, you know, I'm screaming at the end. I have doubt. Baylor, I have doubt. You've lost me. That is not where I was expecting you to go with that comparison. I'm unbelievable, all over the place today. I'm unbelievable sorry. reference. I'm all over You're the on place. fire today. Holy Who's that cow. guy? The, the really good actor who's in the movie. Heavy set guy, red hair. What's his name? Oh, geez. I'm not sure. Not Michael Rappaport. Is that it? Uh, What's his name? He's really, he was, he was in the, oh, gosh. He was in the. Uh, Again, help us out, listeners. If you know who Mike's talking I'm about, look it please up. tweet it out. This is terrible. I'm sorry. Right. Well, look, look it up and let the listeners yeah, know later. Yeah. Podcast, yeah. please. Okay. All right. So the headline here says it all. I'm going to set you up, and I hope that you just go ahead and knock them down. You ready? The headline reads, Guy, Parentes, help number 23, UVA beat number 5, UNC, 54, uh, 53 to 43. I'll say it out loud. People will probably say it out there with us. Shoot the ball, London. He and uh, Frosh, Kyle Guy, shot it well enough for UVA to reach that 50-point plateau. Oh, boy, look out. They're on fire. The story here is not the 43, is the 43 points from one of the most efficient offenses in the country that loves to play at a quicker pace. They were averaging about 85 points coming into this game, UNC, that is. P.S. I know we both get on London. He started his 129th game for the UVA program, which is a school and program record. Nobody started more games for the Cavaliers than London Parentis. Really cool. UVA shot the ball better from three, and they were pretty even on the boards with UNC. I've been pretty impressed with both Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome recently. And if you remember, Jerome played really well on the road versus Nova and hit a couple big threes to kind of keep that game close. Maybe they go a three-guard and get up more high-quality shots from three instead of long twos. I'm just trying to be positive for for UVA here. Still love UNC this weekend versus Duke, and still holding out hope and maybe the last one holding that candle for UVA. Mike, do you have any thoughts? We've set them up. Are you going to knock them down? UVA stinks. That, listen, this was a nice game. This was a rally game. This was Tony Bennett's an awesome coach. This is London Parentis is a great winner in college. This is Ty Jerome, Jack Salt, Ted Three. Okay, there it is. I had to get my yeah. game. They did a great job. They did a phenomenal job, Gus. They stopped a UNC team that should be a one seed um, or at least a high two. The line was fishy. It was UNC minus two. I bit into it. I put a panda lick in his lips and I got smoked. Okay, fine. Uh, listen, great job by, by Virginia. They dial it up. The heart of a champion that's never been a champion, but they're a tough, tough team. Doesn't change my mind at all. 
I'm taking him out in the first round, maybe second round, depending on the matchup. Jack Salt, Wilkins, no one's getting fired off. Parentis, heart of a champion. Tony Bennett, you're doing a phenomenal job because not a lot of talent on that team, and I love UNC. I just It was a great game, a great win, but it's in isolation for me. And by the way, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the actor. Philip Tom- Seymour Hoffman. Yes, I knew nice. it was a three-name good thing. Yes. So, yes, Philip good. Seymour Excellent. Hoffman, yes. Well, well done, good research, very nice. Um, I Look, I'm totally with you on padding Coach Bennett on the back and championing Leonard Parentes as like in that one-game scenario. Uh, I think that's what we're looking to do here. I don't think we're saying like this changes everything for UVA and the narrative is now a completely different story. I think it's just like, hey, you know what? They played a great game against UNC. They got fired up. And in that moment, they were really, really good. Is it sustainable? Probably not. Let's stay in the ACC, shall we? And speaking of Duke and UNC, number 17 Duke holds off number 15 Florida State 75-70. We called for a freshman, Tatum, to make the difference here on senior night. But it wasn't Tatum that made the incomplete difference. Tatum played awesome. He had 15, 9, 4, 2, and 2, and played 39 minutes. Guy was pretty beastly. But the real frosh that shined was Frank Jackson. He starred right alongside Tatum. He went for 22, and he was 3 for 4 from 3. Do you take anything away from Duke winning this game against a top 25 team without, I stress without, the preseason All-American that was riding the bench in Allen? I do. I think Duke is good when they have Jackson, Tatum, and Kennard all on the floor at the same time with a much healthier Amir Jefferson, uh, Emil Jefferson. I think that they're really dangerous with those four guys on the floor together. And if you want to throw Allen into that lineup, go ahead. If you want to put Matt Jones in that lineup, go ahead. If you want to throw somebody else in there, like one of their bigs or maybe Bolton off the bench, you can do that too. But I think that foursome is a really, really uniquely talented foursome that can do some damage in March. And with Coach K back on the sideline, getting a little bit fired up, finding his groove now that he's healthy again too, I think I'm, I think I kind of like Duke. I'm going to call this the contrarian podcast because I think we're going to disagree on every point we're making tonight. All right, very good. I love I, it. I, I love Coach K, but college basketball and specifically March Madness is not a Jenga puzzle. You just can't stick in Allen after he hasn't played well for a while and he's injured and stick in Jefferson, who's been battling injuries all year long, gets in foul trouble every game and stick in Tatum's been great and stick in Kennard and nobody's on the bench, and now Bolden's going to be good, and Frank Jackson's been terrible, but he's 22 in this game. They have to start playing well and playing cohesive on a day-in, day-out basis, and they haven't done that. When's the last time, Gus, that Duke blew somebody out? They let people back in the game. Miami let them back. Miami was a big on them. This game, they were up big on Florida State. They let yeah, them, I was going to say, this game's a perfect example of what you're stating. They let them back in the game. I've waited all year. I'm, I feel like I'm on the Titanic with Duke, and I'm sitting there going, no, 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 but they're good, but they have Coach K. No, 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 but they have Allen. Like, he was almost All-American. They have Kennard, like, the best scorer, and Tatum's great. He's going to be a top-10 pick, and, and Jefferson's such a glue guy. Yeah, but, like, they haven't put it together yet. Listen, if they get on a run and play very well in the ACC tournament, Gus, I reserve the right to change my mind. But this team has second-round loss or semifinal loss written all over it. Now, you're going to say, well, Florida State's really good. Are we sure about that? Let's look at their last, mm-hmm. few, let, look good at their, point. Let's look at their last few games. Good point. So they win that five of six games against ranked teams, right? 12 Virginia, 21 Virginia Tech. 7 Duke, 11 North Carolina, 15 Notre Dame, 12 Louisville, they go 5 and 1. Let's see how their season went from that point on. They're living off that reputation is what I'm telling you. At yeah, Georgia, they, they've been very average since. That's then. that's my point. At Georgia Tech, loss. At Syracuse, loss. At Miami, nice win. Home Clemson, big win. Home NC State, win, big win. The key is home. At Notre Dame, loss. At Pittsburgh, ugh, loss. Home yeah. Boston College, home, big win. At Clemson, two-point win, and we know Clemson stinks. At Duke, loss. To me, they struggle on the road. So if you're asking me to back Florida State right now, they're not playing these games in Tallahassee in the tournament. They're playing on the road. I think they're very sketchy. I think this was two sketchy teams, and I think Duke escaped. I am not buying in yet until I see that Jenga puzzle, Gus, together for multiple games in a row. 
can understand that. I really, I, I like the foursome that they have. So I'm gonna, again, you said contrarian. I'm gonna politely agree to disagree with you on this. The crocodiles are getting to me. Uh, did you see? There was another reindeer optics alert out for everybody. Malik Monk does it again. Dude went for 20 in the second half as number nine Kentucky comes all the way back against Vandy. This is just the type of game that Kentucky is going to face in the first round in March, right? They're going to face like an undermanned team. They might get down because that team is really fired up and has nothing to lose, and they're going to have to claw and fight their way back. That's exactly what Kentucky did here. Monk is absolutely bananas. I, I, I can't put my hand on or wrap my mind around how his game can have such a diverse result in the first half and the second half. He seems unbelievably ordinary in the first half of these games and then seems like the best player in the country in the second half. I, I can't make my I can't I can't make sense of it. I don't understand. I'm just saluting him and saying, holy crow, this guy's amazing. Bam was good again inside. Fox was back. He contributed. It was nice to see him back on the floor. Did you see that Derek Willis is getting married and I got did. engaged? I did, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Uh, congratulations, Derek Willis. Glad you hit a big three in the second half. Uh, and um, good luck moving forward with uh, your life choices. Uh, very nicely played, Derek Willis. They forced uh, 18 turnovers too. So is this a, is this a case of lesson learned, uh, not tied up, pun intended there, a teachable moment, or are we worried about KU still? No, it was senior night, right? So Vandy gets out hot. They start the seniors. For some reason, and go ahead, you can call me hypocritical. I'm not worried about Kentucky. I I feel like I give Calipari a lot of credit for changing styles here midseason. He will not win unless Bam gets 18 points, 16 mm-hmm. points. He needs that. He knows that. Monk is a takeover type scorer who can take the game over at any time. I like that he's attacking the basket now. I see progress. Fox has been hurt. I'm still on board, man. I think this is a great comeback for Kentucky. Vanderbilt was in the tournament. They shouldn't be in the tournament. I hate mediocre big school teams making it in. I like Kentucky. And you're going to say, well, why don't you like Kentucky? Well, you like Kentucky. You don't like Duke. That's a fair point. It's a very fair point. I have no defense except in my heart. I feel like Kentucky's okay, and I feel like Duke is not. And by the way, Gus, totally random. You may have heard my phone go off there. I'm sorry, folks. Shake Milton just liked Gus's tweet. Okay, about how well he plays tonight. So while the podcast is going on, Shake Milton is liking us. Gus, clearly, I, a year one of the podcast is going very well. Um, I love Shake Milton. That guy. Can we just go on a little Shake Milton love right here? Hashtag, that guy's hashtag out, pony up. Pony up. That guy's unbelievable. Six six sophomore point guard can guard almost any position on the floor. Did you see what he did this evening? So he got tripped up about half court, right? Uh, it was a turnover waiting to happen. He falls to the side, no foul called, uh, gets down on one knee, keeps his dribble alive, okay? Then he falls all the way on his bottom, keeps his dribble alive, and dribbles the ball around his back to his other hand to protect it from the defender who's trying to steal it. And then while on the ground, dribbles the ball between his legs, while on the ground, then throws a one-handed pass to a wingman, a teammate, and then that teammate throws an alley-oop to Semi Oljale, which was sick. I hope that that whole entire sequence makes like the Sports Center top ten. That was an outrageous sequence by Shake Milton. That guy, I love that guy. He's one of my favorite players. He's putting up numbers that are really similar to Monte Morris's, since we gave Monte Morris a little love. And Shake Milton actually has um, some height to go along with his. Uh, numbers so he will be loved by nba scouts the same way that monte morris should be too um but you know we mentioned about uh, you know you were late getting to the monte morris uh party you know we were both guilty of we're both late uh, we, you know we're knocking on the door and hoping that we still you know still that he still lets us in welcome to the podcast john collins we are so sorry that we're late to the party can we still get in you know they just shut down alpha undefeated pie last week Wake Forest upsets number eight, Louisville, 88-81. Our guy uh, that we always talk to lines about, Z, uh, had this game nailed. He loved Wake in this game from the start. Uh, How do you not love John Collins? 
the Wake Big Man will definitely be first team all ACC. He went for 25-11 and 11 against Louisville's huge, talented, underrated front line. Wake was actually down 14 in this game, and they came all the way back against a top 10 Ken Palm defensive team. Coach Manning is turning the corner here with this team. Demon Deacons, room will be cool to take a look at on Sunday. I hope that that room explodes with excitement for those guys getting in. Oh, and John Collins, thanks for allowing us in. Keep doing your thing out there. Keep wrecking opponents' front lines with your gigantic numbers, John Collins. The light must have went off for Collins around, I don't know, Wednesday, January 18th, because from that point on, he's had twenty. He's had 12 consecutive games with at least 21 points. 27, 21, 23, 20, 26, 20, 24, 23, 29, 31, 22, and 25. He's been an absolute machine. The guy does not shoot threes. He does the dirty work. He makes his shots. Oh, he makes his free throws. And he's grabbing rebounds at a crazy pace. Collins has been tremendous. At this point, Gus, I do not think Wake Forest is in. Uh, they're mm. under they're under 500 in the conference at eight and nine. I think their overall overall record is something like I think it's yeah, 17 and 12. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think they have to win their last game coming up, which is going to which is going to be at Va Tech. It's a winnable game, and then I think if they win one in the tournament, maybe. But I feel if they lose that Va Tech game on the road, we're talking about 17 and 13. They're going to have to do some damage. But John Collins has been outstanding. Very true. He's been great. So sorry that we're late to the party. Uh, and, you know, listeners out there, thanks for welcoming us in as well to the part to the John Collins party. All right, Mike Randall, it's that time. Do you have some thoughts on speaking of a, a team that is, is going to be so fired up to get into the tournament? Do you have a quick rundown of the Northwestern Michigan game for us? Yeah, I just want to make a real quick comment here, and then we got some other stuff to do, which I think you're going to love. Very quickly. Northwestern beats Michigan 67-65 at home. They are now 21-9, 10-7 in conference. Gus, they are in the tournament. You can lock that in. They are absolutely in the tournament. Lock it up. This was a big win. They're going to take into account that Scotty Lindsay wasn't there for, what, six games. Mm-hmm. They deserve to be in the tournament. And I just want to put this to bed. We criticize coaches all the time. You should have fouled instead of letting them take the three. And one of the biggest ones that people have criticized is Patino. Back in that game, that incredible game against 92, against Duke, that Elite Eight game, the Kentucky-Duke game, they have uh, criticized... Did, yep. Didn't get on the def- uh, didn't get on the inbounder, right? Yeah, didn't get on the inbounder. Right? You should have put something in the... A little ex post facto analysis. Okay, I love this. So Johnny come lately. Okay, folks, it doesn't work that way. At Sometimes you have to say they made a great play. All right? Because if you had done that, maybe they would have tried a different play. So on this one, Gus Beeline, great coach, Hall of Fame coach, put somebody on the inbounds, and here's mm-hmm. what happened. Northwestern threw it over the deepest player who flashed high, came back again to the bottom. It was uh, – yeah, was, was it uh, – it was Pardon, I think it was. Was Pardon or was it Lumpkin? Yeah, Pardon. Pardon. And Pardon catches it because there's no one behind him because the person who's behind him is on the inbounder, and he catches it and he lays it up and in. Listen, great play by Northwestern. Like it was a great play by Leitner. Let's move on and not be critical. No ex post facto analysis. Great job by Northwestern. They're in the tournament. Agreed. Just applaud the play. Applaud the pass. The pass was outrageous. Do you have Do you have this uh, Do you have this set up for the listeners? I, I'm not entirely sure what you're going to give me here, but I'm, I'm ready to go through it with you if you're if you're all set. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put folks the 60 second 60 minutes clock on for Gus. All right. So Gus is just going to sit there. He's going to put his head down. If you were here, trust me, he's putting his head down. And I am going to read off to you games from the latest Bracketology, Gus. I'm not going to tell you seeds. I'm not going okay. to tell you where people are. I'm going to jump around, and we're going to find out at the end who you're taking in the Final Four. The reason I'm doing this, and we're going to go very fast, is because I want to prove something. I did it as well, and I want to see where you're at. So all you have to do is tell me who you think is going to win the game. That's it. That's all I'm going to okay. do. Are, are you taking notes here, or am I taking notes? Oh, yeah. Notes? I got the notes. Yeah. You okay. The pa- all right. Very right right good. Okay. Like uh, John Gasway's paper. We got it right here. All right. <laughs> Love John. Uh, he was so great. So, folks, you can do this at home with us if you take out a piece of paper. And we just want to see. And I, and I want to prove something to the listeners and to everyone here. So, Gus, here we go. Okay. I'm going to start the uh, 60-second clock. I don't think this will take much longer than a minute and a half. Here we go. Kansas, North Dakota. Kansas. South Carolina, Michigan. Michigan. Purdue, Illinois State. Ooh. Purdue. Virginia, Princeton. Wow. Give me Virginia. St. Mary's, Marquette. St. Mary's. UCLA, Florida Gulf Coast. UCLA. 
Oklahoma State, Seton Hall. Oak State. Louisville, Oakland. Louisville. Love Oakland. Love Isaiah Brock. Kansas, Michigan. Kansas. Purdue, Virginia. Purdue. St. Mary's, UCLA. Wow. Give me St. Mary's. Oak State, Louisville. Give me Louisville, please. Gonzaga, UC Irvine. Gonzaga. VaTech Northwestern. Both teams took a lot to get there. Give me VaTech. SMU Nevada. SMU. Florida State Belmont. Give me Belmont. California Wake Forest. Uh, let's go Wake. Battle of the Bigs. Collins wins at first rap. Wake, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Butler Bucknell. Butler. Wichita State. Middle Tennessee State. Wow, what a matchup. Holy cow. Uh, Give me Middle Tennessee. Oregon, Cal State, Bakersfield. Oregon, please. Oregon, Middle Tennessee. Oregon, please. Butler, Wisconsin. Butler, please. That game will be in the 20s. Belmont, SMU. SMU. Gonzaga, Vatek. Gonzaga, please. I'm going to skip Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern. Villanova versus Mount St. Mary's. Nova, please. Okay. Miami, Michigan State. Oh, wow. Uh, let's go with the Frosh and let's go Michigan State. Notre Dame, Wilmington. Notre Dame versus UNC Wilmington. Oh, I like – I like. give me UNC Wilmington. Florida, Monmouth. Wow, really? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll go Gators. USC, Xavier. Too many injuries, USC. USC, Minnesota. USC again. Duke, Winthrop. Duke – Dayton, Arkansas. Dayton. Baylor, South Dakota. Baylor. Baylor, Dayton. Dayton. Duke, USC. Duke. Florida, UNC, Wilmington. Florida. Michigan State, Nova. Nova. We're almost done. North Carolina versus North Carolina Central. North Carolina, please. Maryland, VCU. Mm, Interesting. Give me Mello. Give me uh, the Terps. Cincinnati, UT Arlington. Cincinnati. West Virginia, Vermont. Let's go Catamounts, man. Wow, good one. Iowa State, Providence. Uh, Best player on the floor. Give us Iowa State. Arizona, Akron. Arizona. Creighton, Syracuse. Uh, Cuse. Kentucky, UNC Greensboro. Kentucky. Kentucky, Cuse. Kentucky. Arizona, Iowa State. Great matchup. Give me Arizona, please. Vermont, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, please. Maryland, UNC. UNC. Finishing it up. Here we go. Kansas, Purdue. Kansas, Purdue. (sighs) Give me Kansas. St. Mary's, Louisville. St. Mary's. St. Mary's, Kansas. Kansas. How did they get there? Gonzaga, SMU. Gonzaga, please. Butler, Oregon. Oregon. Gonzaga, Oregon. Uh, West Coast showdown. Give me my Zags. Nova, Florida. Great matchup. Give me Villanova. Butler, Dayton. Wow. <laughs> That's the, that might be the best game you just ran off. Give me Dayton. You're darn right. Dayton Nova. Give me Dayton. Good boy. That a boy. That's my boy. (laughs) UNC Cincinnati. UNC, please. Arizona, Kentucky. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, Give me Kentucky. And UNC Kentucky. Oh, geez. UNC. Perfect. You did exactly what I thought. Here we go, folks. Sorry, it took a little longer than a minute and a half, but I think you're going to like this point. I went back and I looked, Gus. From 2001 to 2008, the average number of number one seeds that made the final four was 1.75, meaning on an average year, you were not getting two number one seeds there. That was 2001, 2008. From 2009, 2016, Gus, that dropped to 1.25. That's a a, a steep drop. That's a lot. That's a half a point drop. 1.25, which means barely over one. And oh, by the way, Gus, in 2015, there were three number ones. So if that year's just normal, you're getting one or possibly less, okay? 
Correct. That my, was, yeah, that was an anomaly that year, right? Here's my point, Gus. I went through the bracket. And I hope the people did it at home as well. You have number one seeded Kansas, number one seeded Gonzaga, number one seeded UNC, and number seven seed Dayton. You have too many one seeds. And the reason I'm saying that is I did the uh-huh. same thing. I did the exact same thing. I went through. I had number one seeded Kansas. I had number one seeded Villanova. And I had number one seeded UNC. It's not happening. So, folks, my suggestion is this. I went back and then repicked my bracket, okay, to do it with, like, if I really concentrated and thought about it. Mm. And here's who I got. Ready? Oh, I, I want to hear this. Yes. So I this is, so I did my initial off the top of my head, and I came up with exactly what you did. I had three number one seeds. It's not going to happen, folks. The stats play it out. It's happened one time in the last 16 years. Okay? So if you're doing that, you're making a mistake. I have Purdue beating Kansas, and I have Purdue playing UCLA. I put UCLA through. So that's a Good. three seed. Okay. I had SMU beating Gonzaga. <laughs> nice. And I had SMU. Well, they, the way they played tonight, I mean, why not? Right. And I have SMU playing Oregon. I couldn't pull the trigger. I put Oregon through as a two. I have UNC Wilmington beating Nova. I, I mean, somewhat, it is possible, folks. You tell me Very it's possible. not. UNC Wilmington is hot. They get in, they play Nova. They beat Nova, but they do lose to Dayton. Okay, we knew Dayton was getting the final four. So Dayton's a seven. And then finally, I had UNC Arizona in the bottom, which I think is reasonable. And I had UNC. So I gave him a one, a two, a three, and a seven. My point is this, Gus. When we go through these brackets, folks, and when you do this, it's hard not to pick the one seeds. It's it hard is. not to pick the two seeds because they're really, really good. But, folks, I got the numbers here. Last year, it was a one, a two, a two, and a ten, Syracuse. The year before, one, 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 and seven. 14, 1, 2, 7, 8. I'll go back to 2011. 3, 4, 8, and 11. Those are lotto numbers. I'm just saying it's very, very difficult to do. So when you fill out your bracket, don't be afraid to take a leap of faith. That's all I'm going to say. I think nice lesson learned there for the listeners and for myself. I, again, I think I said out loud, how did Kansas get there? Right. Like, that, I, I'm that's, so confused. That's the point. So don't yeah. be, do it. My suggestion is you do it, folks. You go back. And, I'm, you know, Gus and I are, are breathing this. We started this whole podcast venture with Connor Frankamp, for God's sakes. Okay? Yet Gus and I just did the bracket in our heads really quickly, and we got six one seeds in there, Gus. It's not <laughs> happening. Right. But it's hard. Don't be afraid to be different don't if if you if you go all the one seeds you're probably going to lose anyway because you're not going to get the first rounds all the time right go for it be daring i dream gus you know what i dream of i dream of the perfect bracket i dream of one day nailing every single game you dare to dream that's what you do here in the screen screener podcast because we hold hope we do hold hope very dearly by the way there's nothing wrong with lofty goals just like those love lofty you're darn right you're darn right uh, all right, listeners, it's ready to take a little stroll. Let's head down to Broadway for the folks, shall we? On Broadway. On the couch. I'm ready. It's March. Let's get it on. Okay, I got a couple good ones for you here on the couch. You ready? Yeah, sit on the valley. The valley. Oh, wait, yeah, get, get comfy. Put, the, put your feet up, would you? All right. Okay, I'm ready. There we go. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> The Valley is going to get underway. Are, are we going to have an Illinois State-Wichita final, or is one of them going to get it tripped up early? What do you think? No, we're going to have a final. It's going to be a tremendous game, and Wichita State's going to win it. I really hope we get that game. I'm, 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 I'm not rooting for either one of those teams to win or lose. I'm just rooting to watch that game. I, got, I want to watch that game. Harvard, Harvard is heading to Princeton in Jadwin Gym, a place that we competed at. Who do you like in this Ivy showdown? You like the hometown Tigers? Princeton's back. It's been a while, but they're back. Yes. I agree. I really like Princeton in this game. I, I totally agree with you on that. All right, so Mammoth heads. You mentioned them in our bracket rundown, and I, I humph and hawed over them a little bit. Um, they're going to start the march for the MAAC title versus Niagara. They're not going to lose in the first round, right? No way. Mammoth special. They're going through. I agree. Uh, the games are in Albany. Uh, still give me the Hawks. By the way, speaking of Monmouth, did you see that letter? Yes. Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. If, uh, listeners, if you haven't checked that out, I'm sure all of you basketball junkies out there have seen it. She wrote uh, letters to 30 NBA GMs about Justin Robinson. So sweet. So kind. So thoughtful. I hope she turned that into like some sort of cool, cool school project of some sort. But by the way, the dude is a stud. You know he went for 40 on the road at Siena this year, right? Guys, he's a monster. Love the guy. Love Justin Robinson. 
Okay, so we got a huge, huge Friday night Big 12 tilt. This is a little bit off of the normal schedule, but we got Iowa State number 24 going into number 10 West Virginia. Mike, what do you feel here? The line is insane. I was wrong. I've challenged Vegas publicly. I was wrong about the UNC minus two in Virginia. I was wrong about Sparty getting two at Illinois when they just beat Wisconsin. I'm going down with the ship. Iowa State's covering this line. They're going to Virginia. They've lost to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Centenary, Pepperdine. Okay, all these schools at home. I know they beat Baylor. I know they beat Kansas. The only way you like West Virginia here is if you're telling me senior night, they're going to step it up and go against a big team. Iowa State is too hot right now. They have guards. Mars is not going to turn the ball over. We know that. Iowa State's definitely covering, if not winning. I agree with the cover call here. I think that line is a little bit inflated as well. Um, just a smidgen, but a little bit. A little bit. I'm with you on that. All right. How about number 19, Notre Dame heading to number eight, Louisville? Do you have a feel on this ACC matchup? I think Louisville's really good. I think they could make a run. Patino always gets better. Notre Dame's weak inside. Louisville's huge. Give me Louisville. I, I'm a little bit worried about Louisville. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about them on the defensive end. I feel like they've given up 80 a few too many times for my liking if they're going to fancy themselves as a defensive team. Notre Dame is really efficient on offense. Yes, they are a bit undersized. Bonzi's playing out of his mind. So is Mitchell on the other side. So you have two like kind of all ACC type players uh, kind of dueling it out. I know at different positions. I'm gonna say give me Notre Dame on the road here with wow. a little smidgen of an upset. That is a huge statement right there. Wow. I, I I really like Notre Dame on the road here. How about number twelve Florida heading to a tricky Vanderbilt situation where you know the the benches are under the baskets and the. You know, the, the sideline goes out for about 80 feet and the cheerleaders have uh, the biggest, you know, the, the largest space to sit in the nation. Do you think Florida gets tripped up the way that Kentucky almost gets almost got tripped up against Vandy? Uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say no, but I do think it's a close game. I think it's a close game as well, but I do think Florida toughs this one out. I think it's a get right game for them after falling to Kentucky last week. Number one, Kansas. Did they get tripped up? At Oak State, we just championed Oak State about how they're playing really well. Does Oklahoma State take down the number one team in the country? They do because Kansas has nothing to play for here. There's no reason to play hard. They've won it. They're the one seed. Oklahoma State's desperate. Absolutely do. I think they absolutely do. Not, but again, this game is played a week and a half from now. I'm taking Kansas. But I, I just I don't see Kansas being motivated for this game at all. If anyone's hurt, Self's going to rest them. Oklahoma State's going to come out like a bunch of crazed dogs, like Lawrence Taylor used to say. Yeah, I'm taking Oak State. I'm kind of with you on that dynamic surrounding the game, and I would be pretty impressed, actually, if Self pulled a Popovich here and maybe rested a few of his guys. That'd be really cool to see. It'd be unfair for people that are wagering on the game, but I think it'd be a good move moving forward, especially because he plays those guys such heavy minutes. All right, how about the big one? Number 17, Duke. Heads to number five, UNC. Can't wait to get my eyes on this game. Hope uh, I hope that you get to enjoy the game when you're uh, on the road to Milwaukee somewhere. You got a feeling on this? Do you feel like Duke has a chance here? Does UNC get right after the loss to UVA? What, what what's your rundown here? Can't see a chance in hell that Duke's winning UNC. Can't see yeah. it. I, I don't. I don't. UNC needs the game. Duke yeah. is banged up. Is Jefferson going to play? Is Allen ready? Bolden's in. Frank Jackson's going for four. Is Jack Salt available for this game for Duke? I just don't, I don't see. I just don't see. I, I don't see the narrative that gets me there. Kennard at forty, maybe. I'm sorry. I can't. They're gonna pound him inside. Emil Jefferson's gonna have two fouls before even five minutes are gone. You know that that is the most valid thing that I think you said about this. Bringing, <laughs> not not you know, Jack having, Salt you know, being available. Are they gonna trade for a player to be named later for Jack Salt? <laughs> like how is this happening? I'm sure they'd have trouble like transferring the uh, scholarship as well. <laughs> you know, they could use salt, actually. They could, <laughs> yes. I know. That's the crazy thing about it. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, no, so I, I am all over UNC in this game. I love them. I think they're so talented. I think they're completely underrated, even though they're the number five ranked team in the country. I think people are totally sleeping on them big picture-wise. Justin Jackson is playing a little bit out of his head. Here's what I'm calling for. I'm calling for a gigantic Joel Berry II appearance. 
I think he's going to be one of the big difference makers in this game. I bet he hits a bunch of threes in the second half. I bet he puts up big numbers, and I bet you watch this game and he stands out at some point of the game as the best player on the floor. Give me UNC. Give me a great game by Joel Berry, and I agree with you with the bigs pounding it inside on that secondary break and on their secondary posts. Absolutely. Totally agree. Listeners out there, we just want to say thank you so much for carving out a little time in your weekend to tune in the Screen the Screener podcast. Mike and I are so totally thankful, totally humbled by the attention. We'll try to keep up with everybody on Twitter. Uh, by no means are we ignoring. We do have other things that we're trying to take care of during the weekend, but we, we'd love to interact with you guys as much as possible. So just keep everything coming. Um, we, we love this part of it. I think that's my favorite part is just like, you know, trading some banter back and forth with some like-minded basketball uh, vagabonds like ourselves. So, so thank you listeners out there. Really appreciative and, uh, you know, just humbled by you guys being so into what we're talking about. Uh, Bell Jar, thanks for taking us in and out. Um, I think Belgar might have been bowling again this week. That was the word on the street. I'm not kidding. I think they have like a little bowling league thing going. So seven thanks ten, for that. Seven ten split. No problem for them. Somebody was going for a turkey, actually. Three strikes. <laughs> that, that might have possible. And uh, thank you to the tech department. Uh, tech department, thank you for getting this podcast up and down and through for the listeners to absorb and uh, consume however they choose to. Thank you, technology department. Technology. Hashtag pony up. Mike, one last question, even though we relate to the party. Does John Collins, does he set the screen? No, he never screens. He just bombs away and he makes shots, folks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great weekend coming up. Gus, we are going to be, the next time they hear our voice, we're going to be under a week to Selection Sunday. Can you believe this? Yeah, giddy up. Let's go. Hey, watch out for Blake Griffin. Hopefully he doesn't tackle me at the game on Friday. Screen the screener. <laughs>